are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24 at myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, I want to recap last night's D-backs loss to the Dodgers with Luke Weaver on the mound. And then I saw an interesting article by Bleach Report, the three MVPs of every team. So I'm going to discuss the three MVPs that Bleach Report has and whether I agree or disagree with their list. But before we get there, don't forget to hit that follow button on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And remember, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this weekend to get in on the action. Now, let's jump right into the conversation. Let's talk about last night's Diamondbacks game. It was, of course, another loss for the D-backs. That's not something we expect, but with the D-backs loss, it actually helped out not our friends because we don't we don't mess with the LA Dodgers around here unless the only teams we support that's from LA is the Lakers. But that's a whole nother question, a whole nother topic, a whole nother debate for another day. Sorry, Suns fans, if you also listen to this podcast, but I am here to talk about the D-backs because with their loss, the Dodgers clinched a postseason berth and they beat the D-backs 8-4 on Tuesday night. They won their fifth game in a row, the Dodgers did. They now have the best record at home in all the majors at 51-23. and It's still pretty crazy. Crazy that the Rockies are also in that running for best record at home, which is ridiculous thing about for considering how bad they are as a team. But D-backs last night offensively, once again, can't really do anything, at least early in this game. They were able to put on some runs late in the 6th and 7th inning, but Tony Gonsolin had a really strong day over 5 innings, 2 hits, 0 earned runs, struck out 6 D-backs, but on the mound for Arizona, Luke Weaver, and this is someone who hasn't pitched a ton since coming back from injury, but the saddest part about Luke Weaver He's gotten worse every start since coming back from injury. And that first start back from injury back on September 1st against the Padres of all teams. He went six innings, four hits, one earned run. He looked good. Made me think, wow, Luke Weaver with a bum garner, Merrill Kelly, Zach Allen. Maybe I can build some optimism for next season that this rotation can be real competitive and get us potentially into position to take a wild card spot. But and Luke Weaver's second start, five innings, three earned runs. It was an average start, but only struck out four. Couldn't really generate any whiffs. Only allowed four hits. And then last night against the Dodgers, four innings, three earned runs, four runs, giving up total one rock, one walk, four strikeouts. So it wasn't like a terrible start, but it's just a start where Luke Weaver had to labor. 72 pitches through three innings. He even gave up a home run as well last night. So it, it was just a start where Luke Weaver... 
just never get into rhythm, had to throw a lot of pitches, really had to work. And part of that is still because Luke Weaver likes to mainly throw two pitches. He threw 84 pitches last night. 52 of them was the fastball. 27 of them was the changeup. So if you combine those two, I'm going to try to do the math quickly off my head. 27 plus 52, I believe. That is 79. If I'm doing the math quickly off my head, no big deal. Doing a podcast and doing math at the same time. But 79 of his 84 pitches were just those two pitches. It, it becomes too predictable when you're Luke Weaver going against the lineup as Mookie Betts, Muncy, Trey Turner, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Will Smith, Cody Bellinger has become a non-factor in the Dodgers lineup. Just think about that. They have an MVP supposedly in the prime of his career. Only saying prime of his career because of his age. He has not played like it's the prime of his career. But still, he's like the eighth man in your lineup. You got a struggling MVP as the eighth man. It's really impressive the depth that the Dodgers have. And we saw the full depth last night. So many different Dodgers players got in on Luke Weaver, got a hit off him, did some damage against him. And Luke Weaver just struggled. But it wasn't just Luke Weaver with the poor pitching. It was also the defense that, once again, the defense... Usually a calling card of the Diamondbacks last few seasons has really, with the terrible season that they've had, the lack of success that they've had, you could kind of see it play out in their focus. And the D-backs last night made a couple of costly errors. Now, granted, one of them was Luke Weaver's fault, but both of the errors came in the third inning because Will Smith grounded into a field of choice to Luke Weaver, who botched the throw, allowing Corey Seager to score. And Corey Seager was only on base after reaching on a fielding error by by Ketel Marte. So we saw two D-backs in the third inning. We saw the errors directly lead to runs being scored in the third inning. And you can see the frustration. Luke Weaver actually bent over and stomped his feet in frustration with the Dodgers going up for nothing. So at least that's a positive sign from Luke Weaver showing some emotion because that's been one of the knocks against him. That he hasn't showed enough emotion, enough heart, enough confidence when he's out there on the mound but there was nothing he could do last night he went against a stacked Dodgers lineup he's been inconsistent all year he has those starts where he gives us optimism and he makes us think that he could be a number two starter then in his other starts it's like should this guy be in the bullpen so it's still a question with Luke Weaver every time he goes out there on the mound what is he gonna do for the D-backs and Is this someone we should really think about building a rotation around long-term? Or should he be a part of a winning rotation long-term? Can he be a part of a winning rotation long-term? So still a lot of question marks surrounding Luke Weaver. And then the most disheartening part from last night might be the fact that Seth Beer had to leave the game early in the first inning. With a dislocated left shoulder, he dove trying to stop Trey Turner's ball that was hit down the line. He landed on his belly. It was the first start he made as a position player in the big leagues. And one of the knocks against Seth Beer, why we haven't seen him on the big league level, is because of his lack of defense at first base. So the fact that the first time he actually has to play first base, he dislocates his left shoulder is not a good look for the analysts who believe like me, I'm not even an analyst, but for the people that believe defense might be a little overrated and he could still survive, for anyone who said Seth Beer wasn't ready defensively, they're looking pretty good because the man hurt, literally hurt himself trying to play defense. And now, dislocated shoulder, I'm not too sure 
how serious it is yet. I haven't seen any updates. I'm going to look real quick on the pod as I'm doing this live to see if there were any updates. But right now, I haven't seen any updates from Seth Beer. Maybe he misses the rest of the season. Maybe the D-backs shove down because there's like a little bit more than a dozen games left in the year. So there, there, there's not really a total point for Seth Beer to come back and, and keep playing outside of just seeing what he could do on the major league level. But in the few games he has played, he tore up major league pitching. So that might be enough of a sample size for the D-backs to give him another chance next season. But it's sad to think Jordan Lawler, Corbin Carroll, Seth Beer all went down with season. Potentially, we don't know about Seth Beer, but potentially season-ending injuries. Bunch of other dudes. We know Ketel Marte, Cole Calhoun, Bumgarner, Walker. The list goes on and on. It's been an injury-riddled season for the D-backs, and it's been a tough season to watch. And even though I love baseball, I'm going to miss it when we're in the offseason. I'm kind of glad that we're getting close to the end of the season to just put us out of our misery. Now we'll get into a little discussion about Bleacher Report's article about the MVP trio for every major league team. Who is the MVP trio for the D-backs, you might ask? Well, we're about to get to that. But first, this episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to big news or rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked On D-Backs podcast through our Green Room conversations. Be sure to join me this weekend. I'll be hosting a room this Sunday after the D-backs win. Go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me, at Miller Thomas, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this weekend. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the D-backs. See you there, Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are now on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. For football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. get back into the pod let's discuss bleacher reports mvp trio because two of them i wasn't surprised by but one of them i was and 
It's mostly because of the criteria that Bleacher Report uses for this MVP trio. They want to cover the three phases of the game, offense, pitching, and defense. So they pick an MVP for each one of those phases. So it gives you three distinct MVPs, but I'm not entirely sure I agree with each one being the overall MVP of the team. So that's where I want to come in and give my own opinion. Yes, I get the defense part, but I don't agree that you have to just focus in on the defense to get that third MVP. Let's just take the three best players on the D-backs and make them the three most valuable players. Let's just pick the three most valuable players and not just pick someone based that based off the fact that they play a certain position or they fit that aspect. That's the biggest issue I have with Bleacher Report's trio of MVPs for every team because for the D-backs, they got Ketel Marte for offense, Merrill Kelly for pitching, and Nick Ahmed for defense. And that makes sense. Those three are probably the MVPs of the D-back between break it down. Offense, defense, and pitching. But guess what? I don't think those are the three most valuable players overall on the D-backs. I think two of the three are. But I think you could pretty clearly tell who doesn't belong. It's like one of those games. Which one of these doesn't belong with the rest? And I think we all know. That is Nick Ahmed. So I'm going to first start with him before we get to Ketel, Marte, and Merrill Kelly. Because, yes, Nick Ahmed is a great defensive player. Is he still elite? Yeah, he's probably still borderline elite. I think the numbers would still tell you he's an elite defensive player. But Nick Ahmed is just not good enough offensively for me to consider him an MVP of the Arizona Dimebacks now. The D-backs are an atrocious team, no doubt about it. So it's not like you're going to find very many candidates to be the MVP of the D-backs. If the D-backs still had Eduardo Escobar, he would be pretty easy slotted in as that third MVP. If we're just going overall, just most valuable players on the D-backs. But because the Bleach Report did defense, that's how Nick Ahmed stole one of the spots. But I'm not doing that. I'm just taking the three most valuable players because when I look at Nick Ahmed's stats... He's batting 222, 282 OBP, 340 slugging, a 622 OPS, OPS plus of 69, five home runs in 127 games. He's got more stolen bases than home runs at seven. He's got 38 RBIs. The numbers just aren't impressive. 34 walks to 102 strikeouts. He struck out a ton this season. So I haven't really been in on Nick Ahmed as a player, despite him playing some pretty solid defense. He's striking out over 21% of the time. And if you look at his stat cast numbers on fan graphs, they're just not very impressive, impressive at all. In terms of hard hit percentage, he's one of the worst on the team. He's sitting at 27.7% of D-backs players with at least 200 plate appearances minimum. He ranks 11th, so he wouldn't even crack the starting lineup in terms of hard hit percentage. You look at barrel percentage. Again, 11th, the leader was Eduardo Escobar, so I guess you don't have to count him. So I guess Nick Ahmed is technically 10th. He might be 10th on the other one, but still, the leader, if you take out Escobar's Carson Kelly at 9.1% for barrel percentage, Nick Ahmed is at 2.4%. And if you look at exit velocity, again, we won't count Eduardo Escobar. So that moves Nick Ahmed to number nine in terms of exit velo on his team at 87 miles per hour 87.4 miles per hour to be exact so in terms of the hard hitting numbers the the numbers that tell you how quickly a ball is flying off nick ahmed's bat it's not very impressive nick ahmed has not been a very good offensive player for the d-backs and he really hasn't been that good of an offensive player 
for a while now, he only has one season with an OPS at least 750. And that was in 2019 with a 753 OPS. So I think it's hard to give Nick Ahmed an MVP when you look at some of those numbers. Has he been the best defensive player on the D-backs? Sure, you can make that case, but it's hard for me to make the case outside of just strictly saying defense for Nick Ahmed to take one of those MVP spots for the Arizona Dimebacks. He just doesn't give you enough offensively to do it. Yes, he might be great defensively, but overall, is he really a positive on the MLB field? His war is a .8, so the numbers will tell you he's a positive overall on the field, but it's just hard for me to conceptualize that idea offensively his war is only a 0.4 that's his worst offensive war since 2017 his defensive war is at a one but that's his worst since 2020 when it I was when it was at a 0.7 but it's also the worst since 2017 if you want take out 2020 because of it being a shortened season and a weird year 2021, his defensive war is the worst since 2017. So basically, this is the worst season Nick Ahmed is having both offensively and defensively since 2017. So it's hard for me to give that guy an MVP spot on the Arizona Dimebacks if we're not talking just strictly defense. If you brought in the topic to most valuable player on the D-backs, rank them 1-2-3, Nick Ahmed might not be in the top 12-15 of Arizona Dimebacks, but if you were just to say top most valuable defensive players for the D-backs. Yeah, Nick Ahmed is probably number one, but that doesn't mean he should be considered an MVP, a top three MVP of the D-backs. But I will tell you who should be considered one of the three most valuable players for the D-backs this season outside of Akitel Marte and Amaro Kelly. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because did you guys know Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors. They got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. There's a flavor for everyone. And the reason why I love Bilt Bar is because it's healthy. I'm a health conscious guy. I'm trying to go to the gym after this podcast is done. But I also have a sweet tooth and Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream. Brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. Which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod because I do agree with Bleacher Report's list of the other two MVPs for the Arizona Diamondbacks this season. I think even though he hasn't played even half or he 
by the time the season ends, Ketel Marte will have played half the season, but currently he's only played 75 games in the season we have. And despite playing 75 games, it's a no doubter. It's a no doubter that Ketel Marte is an MVP of this team. He is the MVP of this team despite only playing 75 games because in those 75 games, he's been by far the most productive Diamondbacks player. 12 home runs which is still not a ton, but over the course of a full season, he's probably a 20, 25 home run guy. Maybe he can get to 30 if he stays hot uh, the entire season, if he plays the entire season and gets hot at certain stretches, uh, like we've seen recently where he's gone on a little power surge over the last month and a half. But even outside of the home run department, he's batting 325 still, 920 OPS. I mean, Kento Marte's numbers are absolutely insane. And go look at his game log. The man has a hit since coming back from injury and like 90% of the games he's played in like seriously go look at his game log there's not many games Ketel Marte hasn't gotten at least one base hit and this dude has been consistent so if he played the entire season healthy I do believe Ketel Marte could have been a, another it could have been another season where he batted around 330 like he did in 2019 where he batted 329 I think he would have had probably the same season he had in 2019 now maybe it's 25 homers 25 home runs and like five stolen bases maybe that goes down a little bit maybe the rbis go down a little bit too but from the eye test i think it would be still as productive as a season as it was in 2019 as it is in 2021 for Ketel Marte. and then you look at the other mvp according to bleach report they had merrill kelly and I couldn't disagree with this one either because over the course of a full season, I do believe Merrill Kelly is the best pitcher the D-backs have. And if you go look at his game log like we did on yesterday's pod, there was a lot more starts than I realized where he performed pretty well. There was a few starts in the beginning of the year. Literally the first three or four starts were a little shaky. Then he rattles off a whole bunch where he dominates. He has another three or four shaky starts and then he rattles off like another eight where he dominates. I think Merrill Kelly has been pretty consistent and there's way more starts where he's given up three earned runs or less than starts where he's given up six earned runs or more. I think the variance has been pretty low for Merrill Kelly because even when he hasn't performed well, he hasn't had Really, he hasn't had any starts where he's given up like seven or eight earned runs. When Merrill Kelly has a bad start, it's like five earned runs over six innings pitch. And that's why he's been arguably the second MVP of this team. Because even when he's not performing well, he can still go deep into your ball game and still be valuable in other areas. He can still save your bullpen and still keep those guys rested and not forcing them to come into game situations when they weren't ready. Because the D-backs bullpen is arguably the worst in baseball. So Merrill Kelly being able to keep those guys on their behinds and not allow them to come into the game was actually beneficial for the D-backs because if a bullpen guy is coming into the game, we might see some runs go on the board for the other team. But the third MVP of the Arizona Diamondbacks, the actual MVP, and this one might be considered a little controversial. It took me some time to really debate. I had some tough choices to go through I looked at a Carson Kelly I thought he had a really strong case for the way he started the year Uh, it was a pretty good season to start the year for Carson Kelly he was on fire at the beginning of the season got hurt tailed off pretty tremendously since then still having pretty decent numbers across the board but not as good as we thought it was going to be through that first month and a half of the year so I don't think he's the third MVP of the D-backs I looked at a Josh Rojas he has 
Maybe he might be the strongest honorable mention that the D-backs have. Him, a bum garner, Paven Smith, Paven Smith, they're all in that honorable mention class. I couldn't give it to Josh Rojas. The numbers just aren't... Him and Paven Smith are both kind of cut from the same cloth. They both have had nice seasons, fine seasons, but the numbers just aren't overwhelming enough for me to give the MVP award over the guy I believe should take the third MVP spot for the D-backs. And then the last honorable mention is probably a Madison Bumgarner who's had stretches of absolute brilliance for the D-backs this season, but injuries and inconsistencies have played a big part as to why he won't get this third MVP. But I'm giving the third MVP of the Arizona Diamondbacks this season, which is maybe a controversial pick, but I'm giving it to Dalton Varsho. That's right. Dalton Varsho has only played 78 games this season, so only three more than Ketel Marte, but I'm giving it to him because of the eye test. I think he's looked just as good as a Josh Rojas, a Paven Smith, if not better. His ability to cover ground defensively in the outfield, throwing a couple dudes out behind the plate as well. Darton Varsho has been just fine defensively this season. He's been pretty good defensively. I mean, he had that game last week where he made that incredible diving catch in the outfield, in right field. And then also, He's shown some power. He's, he's flashed the power this season. 10 home runs in 78 games. Paven Smith has 10 and 130. Josh Rojas has 11 and 125. So if I give Varsho at least the same amount of games and at-bats as those two, he might be at 20 home runs right now. He has five stolen bases in 78 games. Rojas has seven in 125. So I have to think, if Varsho has the same amount of opportunities as a Rojas or Paven Smith, this might be a 25 if Varsho played the entire season, this might have been a 22 home run, a 15 stolen base kind of season for Dalton Varsho. Still a 769 OPS. And remember, he started the season slow too. So this is a guy who's really heated up over the last two months. And if we saw this guy over the course of the full season, maybe he heats up sooner, finishes even stronger. Maybe he finishes with the 25-25 season. And we look at Dalton Varsho as an everyday player because right now, Dalton Varsho might be a guy we have to get in the lineup every day for next season. There might be a Paven Smith, a Rojas, a Nick Ahmed, a Christian Walker. It might be other dudes that have to sacrifice to get this guy into the lineup. I have to be other players that have to platoon to get Dalton Varsho in the lineup because the way he's come on these last couple months offensively, the flashes he's shown with his glove, I think Dalton Varsho has to be an everyday player for the D-backs next season. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. We are expected to have Vince Amperio of Locked on Dodgers on the pod tomorrow for a crossover. So you're going to want to stay tuned and you're not going to want to miss that. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!